You're listening to Legal Skies, a podcast by the Law Society of Saskatchewan. This is Season 4, Episode 4. Please note that this recording was made on Zoom and we apologize for any poor audio quality. Welcome to Legal Skies. I'm your host, Julie Shabawale. Today, we discuss how internationally trained lawyers become practicing lawyers in Saskatchewan. Joining us on Zoom today are Deborah Wolf, Executive Director of the National Committee on Accreditation and Law School Programs at the Federation of Law Societies of Canada, Tilly Dada, Associate at Miller Thompson, and President of the Saskatchewan Chapter for Global Lawyers of Canada, and Ada Aja, Articling Student at Gates Law. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Deborah, I wanted to start off with you and just give us a brief summary of the accreditation process for internationally trained lawyers. Right. So thank you very much for inviting me to join the panel today. Um, the National Committee on Accreditation, which I'll refer to as the NCA, um, has been delegated the authority from all of the common law law societies in Canada to do the evaluation and certification of individuals who receive their education um, in law outside of Canada or in a Canadian civil law program. So we assess their qualifications against uh, policies that are approved by the Federation. Um, we offer examinations in various topics and areas we, in some cases, send people back to law school, depending on their qualifications. And when they've met their, their, um, their assigned requirements, we issue them a certificate. And that certificate is one of the two documents that the law societies in common law Canada will accept uh, for entering the bar admissions process. So it's either a certificate of qualification from the National Committee on Accreditation or a law degree from a federation approved law program in Canada. And, and Tilly, I wanted to ask you and, and um, Ada as well uh, about your experience, because as Deborah said, once you've got the NCA piece uh, completed, I know there's also some provincial requirements that you have to uh, be able to do as well. So Tilly, I wanted to start with you and, and share your experience of, of becoming a lawyer in Saskatchewan. Thank you, Julie. Um, my experience with uh, the NCA exams, uh, you know, in terms of the process of applying for the exams, getting assessed, and then giving the exams was uh, more or less smooth. I don't remember any particular hiccups I faced during that time. Uh, in the process of applying, I had some technical questions. And I remember when I called the NCA, there was always somebody to answer those questions. So that part went well. Um, I, where I feel that I uh, saw some gaps, and, I, and I, I say that with complete awareness of the fact that things have changed for the better from uh, when I gave the exams in 2015 and 2016 to now, 2022. Um, at that time, I felt that once you give the exams, uh, or even during the exams, there is a certain uh, lack of knowledge or uh, what I felt was that you largely had to fend for yourself during that time. So, of course, the fact that there is self-study is uh, understood and accepted. But I felt that there were these sporadic Facebook groups, uh, which, uh, you know, discussed amongst themselves and formed study groups, but were largely based in Ontario or in BC. So from, for someone who's new in Saskatchewan, um, you know, I, I really felt that I didn't know enough about the process and then transitioning to becoming a lawyer once I gave the exam. So that was a time when I, especially after giving the exams, uh, you know, the first question for me was now what? What do I do? So I think if, if there is more of a, a collaborative effort 
uh, amongst everybody, you know, the NCA, the law society, the ITL community uh, on the whole, I think that continuous dialogue would really help. So th that's that, That's what I would have to say. And of course, I think uh, I would be interested to hear from Ada who has a more recent experience with the NCA. Uh, but yes, where at that point of time, I felt that uh, there was a lack of awareness in some parts, which I, I hope has changed for the better. And I, I guess it has to some extent because the ITL community is larger now. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I and I think as you were in your comments there, Chitli, you were referencing that in Saskatchewan, in order to become a lawyer, you have to complete the articling requirement. And of course, now we have uh, the prep program administered through CPLED. So, and, and more information about this can be found on our website, www.lawsociety.sk.ca. But those, those two requirements that I spoke of are, are uh, specific to Saskatchewan, other provinces as well, but definitely here. So Ada, I wanted to ask you, uh, since you are articling right now, what your experience has been. Okay, um, thank you for having me on the show. I will start just briefly to say that, you know, just taking a word from what Titi was saying, at the time when Titi wrote her NCs, her experience was completely different from mine. I started my own um, accreditation process in 2018. I started writing my exams. I got um, assessed the five main courses to write. Um, one of the things I found that was the syllabus kept changing quite quickly. And so when you register for an exam and you don't write it and you defer it, it becomes, um, it puts you on a very slippery path because like in foundations of Canadian law, you find that the articles you need to read have changed, you know? So that was one of the things that I found really, um, it really ticked me like, wow, you know, you have to write your exams quickly, but overall it was a very smooth process. I would also want to say that by the time I started writing, a lot of support groups had sprung up. There was this group, we had the Niger lawyer in Canada, like there's so many resources now. So at the time when they wrote, you would feel like a lone ranger. But I do, would, I would say that in Saskatchewan, for example, we might not have so many of those things, but the internet has bridged a lot of these gaps. So you can find people who you can study with, like most of the people who I studied with are in other provinces. I have never met them till today, but we've built, you know, good relationships over time. Um, I know that the NCA did put a disclaimer to say that the NCA program is a self-study program, right? So um, I don't know if the, I don't think the position has changed, but um, uh, I found some resources along the line, which I probably might share at some point in the podcast that really, really helped me um, do justice to my NCA exams. I think the NCA, writing your NCAs is actually the easiest part of requalifying to practice as an internationally trained lawyer in Canada. And I will speak for Saskatchewan because this is where I have lived since I came. When you finish, there's now the big question of how do I start looking for articles? I chose the path when I came in to work as a legal assistant. And I did get a role in a, a, a very big firm. One of the ways I was able to make that bridge was I looked and I found recruiters who were recruiting specifically for law firms, you know. And I think when they send your application over to the law firms, it takes away the initial ice, ice of, oh, I don't know this name. I can't pronounce it because they do lots of vetting. Like I remember the... Um, the employment firm who I signed up with did call, do a lot of background check for me back home. So a lot of the questions that the firms have to ask, you know, that is come it kind of like a, a KYC, know your, know your client, know the person. These employment firms already do those things. So it kind of like bridges the gap. Then they send you over to get interviewed. So 
it takes away step one of the problem. How do I put myself forward? But anyway, that's how I got in as a legal assistant at a big firm where I worked and I was working and I was also doing my NCAs. And when I finished writing, I applied to my firm. Unfortunately, they didn't take me, but I started thinking of more creative ways to put myself out there. I knew that if I could only get audience with someone, that they would hire me for article, you know. So I started seeing some other firms at um, advertising for legal assistant positions, and I applied with the intention that when I do get called, I will renegotiate um, those offers. I know that it sounds daring. I told that to my friend. She's like, Ada, why would you respond to someone who's asking for an illegal assistant and you want, their, you want to go there and now coach yourself for um, articling? But that's how I did. I got my articling position. I made that known that if at some point I could article, you know, I was willing to continue working as an assistant and it worked out for me that way. I do appreciate the articling process. Um, I know that many people who I started with in Saskatchewan have moved on to other provinces who have less um, steeps to qualify. Like there are other options as LPP in, in Ontario. If you qualify for exemption, people will take that route. But having undergone and still undergoing articling and having worked as an assistant for three years, there's so much that's different with the way I understand how law is practiced and how law is practiced here. And that one-on-one um, mentorship you get from having a principal is so invaluable. They teach you about the tone of how you communicate, how to do your research properly, how to put your points forward. You know, some of these other soft skills that you can't, you wouldn't get if you just, you know, got an exemption from the whole article, um, articling process. I do wish that there must, there's more support. And I also wish that, you know, lawyers in Saskatchewan know that there are lawyers who didn't go to U of S, but you know, that there are other routes, you know, to being called to the bar. The problem for us most times is just getting ourselves forward. It's not what to see, you know? So, but yes, that's how it's been for me. Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing. I think there's really two big um, points that you all have brought up here, which is the importance of, of as the NCA process is self-study, making sure you have the resources and networks that you need to make sure that you succeed at that part. Um, and then also having a plan for the second piece, which is finding the, the articling position. So it, it sounds like there's two really distinct steps happening here and, and how you succeed in both of them may not be the same strategy. So let's let's tackle the first piece, which is the NCA process. And, and, and Deborah, I know that um, you, you speak with lots of provinces about different resources and and tips and other things that are available for, for folks who are going through the program. I, I thought maybe you could just touch a little bit on that. Yes, um, thank you, Julie. Um, it's really, really helpful for me to listen to Titley and, and Ada talk about their, their path. And, and you know, things have changed a lot. Um, I took over the NCA in 2009 and I'm still working on improvements. And it's really good to have these types of conversations because it tells me different areas where um, where we, we, we maybe, you know, we focused over here, but maybe we need to focus over there. And of course, one of the big foci that we've, um, that we've looked at over the past two and a half years was taking our exams online. And that was a difficult and um, uh, not necessarily smooth process. I'm happy with it now. 
Um, and you just think about people who no longer have to fly to Toronto or somebody who's living in, um, you know, I, I give the example of Fort McMurray having to go down to Edmonton, but, you know, we could come up with another example of Saskatchewan, you know, maybe Prince George to, to Regina or something, uh, you know, help me here. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the online exams was a, was a big, um, a big task for us, but I think that there's other areas where the NCA could help. We have to be careful though, because we are not an educating organization, right? We are assessing qualifications and we lay out what you need to do and then we examine you. And we really, uh, we encourage other organizations like the universities um, to step up and to provide some of that assistance. We actually now have a module with CPLED, a mandatory mod module with CPLED. And so our, our partnership with these other organizations is really, really important. Um, but it's, it's good to listen to things like, Ada, you talked about the syllabi changing very frequently. And they are, they do because law changes and, um, you know, new things come out. We don't change the syllabi after you register for an exam. Um, you know, so that's important. But you are right that we are changing them um, fairly frequently. Um, other tips. Our website is quite comprehensive. I'm not saying it's perfect. We are adding things to it all the time. Um, and we sometimes get people trying to phone us saying, um, just tell me how it works. And we're like, ah, it's all on the website. Could you go and look there, please? Because, you know, the time that we spend um, talking to people takes us away from all of the different pieces of work. But of course, we're, we're trying to make sure that people understand um, as well as possible what, uh, what the process is. And what I'm trying to do in another beauty of coming through with the Zoom era, if we want to call it that, is um, uh, online webinars. Uh, you know, like, let's come together and talk about how to get through the NCA process. Now, one of the dangers of that, of course, is that people attend those and they want to tell you their personal story and, you know, why did you assess me with this many exams? Um, so we have to be a little careful about how we do that. But that is something that last year I started and I did six sessions. Um, and, and you know, kind of a little bit of question of how do we how do we organize these? You know, we want to make sure that we don't have too many people attending them, but we do want to make sure that people have an opportunity to ask some of those questions. So um, I would also, I guess, you know, tips and tricks. I could go on for three hours about different tips and uh, how to get through the process. But I think the one other thing that I would say is to be really careful when you're preparing for your exams um, that you are... Um, uh, being wise as to where you assist, where you seek help. Um, that there are people who are really interested in selling you notes. And are they good notes? Are they notes that will help you? Are they current notes? Are they notes that have been um, developed in a way that follows all of the ethical um, requirements? Um, and, um, and then as you're getting ready to write your exams, they are all online now, please go and do the, same, the, the practice exam, there's a 24 seven opportunity for people to go in and log in. And then before every exam session, there's a five day period where you actually go in and meet a proctor and understand what they, you know, what the proctor is going to do for you when you, when you go to writing exam, because it's scary, right? And it's scary to write the exams in the first place. And it's scary to write them online, um, particularly for people who have never had to do that before. Um, and so please take advantage of, advantage of the opportunities that we provide for people to prepare for those exams. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Deborah. And, and I, I do think we are in a Zoom era since we are 
literally recording this episode on Zoom right now, as most of our podcast episodes have been during this time. Um, Tilly, I wanted to know if you wanted to respond to any of, of Deborah's comments uh, before we, we talk about articling, um, or, or we can jump right into some of those tips as well uh, in terms of what folks should do once they, they have passed uh, all the exams or, or necessary requirements on the NCA process. I, I did want to share something interesting here. Uh, thanks, mm-hmm. Julie. Um, uh, you know, uh, Deborah mentioned about notes and about having to be very careful about who you get your notes from. And, and I think that that is so true. And thanks for that tip, Deborah, because I do come across a lot of people who, first of all, don't know where to get their notes from or end up getting a bad set of notes. And that doesn't really help them in the process. Um, I, I really lucked out there because, you know, when I was... Um, just uh, sort of searching through the internet. And like I said, at that point of time, uh, I didn't know anybody who uh, had appeared for NCA exams, uh, except for one person who had helped me with her notes, which again, were a little dated at that time. Uh, But, you know, when I was searching for a comprehensive set of notes, I just came across one person on the internet who, uh, and the reason I chose that person was because he charged lesser than some of the others. Uh, but but it was a great set of notes. And I still, um, you know, thank that person today. He, he doesn't, you know, give those notes or share those notes anymore because I don't see his name on the internet uh, when I search. But, uh, but it was so helpful. It was so well written. And it really helped me in the course of my self-study because... Um, I, this was the first time I was doing self-study and, uh, you know, while knowing that it was an open book exam, I realized that that concept is is much more difficult than it sounds. So, yeah, so that really helped me. But I, I share uh, Deborah's sentiments and I would also say that in terms of my own tips that, yeah, be very, very careful about your notes. Choose a good set of notes which helps you understand concepts. And uh, because it is an open book exam, it gives you that opportunity to understand the concepts without having to, you know, memorize the notes or having to having that pressure, that added pressure of trying to remember something. So really choose well over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I quickly just add to what is being said? So I also found two resources on podcasts, actually. One of them was called um, Law 372 Admin Law by Oliver Pulley, Pulley Blank Law. I think he's a professor at Alad, Alad Law. He's, um, or managed one of the faculties. He has this fantastic podcast and it's updated. Like every week he will put something up. I relied on it so much for my foundations and my um, administrative law. And then Craig Fosses also has a podcast. So if you checked a lot of podcasts, and most of them are actually summaries or condensed versions of their lectures in class, I found them extremely um, helpful. Like, you know, so yes, that those were two very good resources and they're always up to date and very helpful. Thank you for sharing that. And for listeners, you will see in the notes that we have those links there available as well. And so I, I wanted to, um, before we we end for the day, talk about the second part. So so looking for that articling position and, and Deborah, of course, has made reference to the uh, partnership with CPLED to have that uh, education component available for internationally trained lawyers. But in terms of finding the, the position itself within Saskatchewan, um, Tilly and Dada, I thought you could if you could both could just share a few um, tips or resources that you think could be helpful there. 
Sure. Um, thanks, Julie. Um, so I, I think that articling or finding a good articling opportunity remains the biggest challenge till today. Uh, and like I mentioned before, you know, once you give your NC exams, the NC exams are the easy part, I would say. Once you give your exams and you get that sort of, of qualification, then the real struggle begins. And I think I've just been a very lucky person because like I said, I lucked out with my notes. I also lucked out with getting an articling opportunity. So I always tell people that I didn't really have to struggle in those terms. Um, when I interviewed at my law firm, uh, I was interviewed by two very wonderful individuals who decided that it didn't matter where I came from or what the color of my skin is, you know, where I studied law or how I speak English. They just decided that what mattered was that I had been a practicing lawyer in my country of origin and I came with a certain body of experience. So they wanted to give me that chance. And it's because of them that I'm here today that I'm practicing in, in a big law firm in Saskatchewan and a national law firm. So um, I think uh, it's very important for law firms to be open in their hiring processes. I think if they look back, they have to collectively decide that it's it's their hiring policies which need to change. So it has to be an active process of actually seeking out internationally trained lawyers, knowing what they can bring to the table. So they have to go beyond their immediate knowledge base and their immediate base of awareness of, um, you know, how a lawyer should be or what kind of experience he or she should have. So it is very important to have those sessions, you know, have networking opportunities, have, create those opportunities for more and more ITLs to come to the fore, to go out and interview more and more of them. I would say, you know, make it a part of your hiring processes that you would interview more and more ITLs so that you know what they're all about. So really that is my, my one line response would be that law firms need to be more open about their processes and only then can a change be brought, only then can we feel that, uh, you know, that that struggle to get an articling position would change. I know it's not something that can happen overnight, but if a collective approach can be taken and if, you know, uh, law firms along with the law society and the NCA together can create um, you know, a more open process for ITLs to come in and to feel that they are a part of the system. I think that's where it would really, really help everybody. And it's a win-win situation for everyone. I think law firms would gain from that experience as well. And Anna, did you want to uh, add any thoughts or, or responses? add that yes I agree with Tiki. Um, I think there should be more open-mindedness to hear out to hear from um, internationally trained lawyers um, we do have a lot of things to bring to the table I always say to people that um, like when you look at international certifications like GPHR which they use in HR you have supply chain management um, certifications the whole essence around certifications is to be able to standardize processes and standardize outcomes you know what to expect now you have the world's changing, you know, companies are set, trying to become global, setting up offices in different parts of the world. And then you'd find you have consortiums of lawyers from different jurisdictions, you know, working together to register companies, businesses, patents, you know. So all of these people have worked on international agreements, you know, especially in the commercial space, commercial and corporate space. You know, there's so much that law firms can tap into. You have lawyers who've worked in some of the spaces. So 
you know, a little more open-mindedness on those skills that they carry, which really help. The demographic of Canada is changing too. I volunteer at um, Family Justice Services um, at the court. And I know that sometimes when um, self-reps come in and they, you know, people of color and they see me, you know, I, I could literally feel their heart heave, like, you know, like I've seen someone that looks like me, you know, some of those things help. Um, but overall, I would also say that the responsibility still lies on you, the student. You have to remain determined and focused. You have to know what you want. It's not easy, but if you've taken the, if you've been able to leave all you know and come to a new country, you should have the mental grit to put in what it takes. You know, people need to come out of their shells, come out of their comfort zone. I joined the CB as a, as an NCA student. You know, sometimes I'll just go nose around at um, Hotel Saskatchewan before the um, before the pandemic started, just to know what it was about. I'd introduce myself to a few people. Some people would respond well, some don't respond well. But the point is, it's networks that make things happen. Um, I worked at a firm and I had a good relationship with lots of partners that were there. And I still mentioned these relationships. And you would learn a thing or two, you know. So the onus still lies on you. But yes, if the system could make it a little easier, oh yes. But at the end of the day, we have to take responsibility, you know, to put ourselves out there and to put in the work, you know, and to just get our voices heard. And, you know, so yeah, those are the main things I would suggest. Enrolling at the CBA really, really, really helps because it exposes you to the legal community. You would, you know, and then even our CPED program, you get to meet. Now people can enroll for CPED without securing articles. You know, there's a lot of resources that are there to help you. Eric Pai is fantastic with helping you redesign your resume, you know. So these are opportunities that are available that people can take. Thank you. And thank you all. I think this has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, lots of tips that have been shared. And again, we will we will have those details in the notes and also on our website at www.lawsociety.sk.ca. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Julie. It was a thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We hope you found the podcast informative and would love to hear your feedback, comments, or suggestions. You can contact us at podcast at lawsociety.sk.ca. In the meantime, I leave you with this thoughtful quote by Mae West. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough.